Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you that you are here by your spirit. I thank you that you're going to transform our lives by the power of your word and by the leading and the prompting of your Holy Spirit. Help us to live out your word. Help us to take a hold of it. Help us to believe it. Help us to declare it. Help us to stand upon it. Help us to to wage war with it. Help us to defend our lives and our families with the word of God. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We declare that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I declare that you are for us and not against us, Lord God. And the devil has no place, no no foothold in our lives, Lord. And we just declare that in the name of of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Well, welcome to Infuse Church. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Gary, along with my wife Jane. We pastor the church here. And we are into a series. This is part nine of a 10 part series in, uh, that we've been doing. And it's been called It's Tool Time. And um, it's uh, something that I felt God uh, lay on my heart as a result of reading a book. Uh, called The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. Um, and it comes as a result of uh, the Bible saying that, you know, be prepared when someone asks you about the hope that you have in Christ. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, I, I came to discover that no one really sat down and taught me or no one really walked me through the process of how to have a spiritual conversation with someone who believes or lives differently from how I live. How do I relate to someone who's a non-believer? How do I relate to someone who has no concept of what church or God or Jesus is really like? How do I, how do I relate to a person like that? Sadly, we've done that with incredible lack of wisdom as a church. Well, you know, it's been historical that we, we get our soapbox out, we stand on our soapbox on a street corner and we preach at people and we tell them all the things that they're doing wrong, all the things that we stand against as a church and we don't relate to people and to, to share the love and the grace of God, we actually tell them all the things that, you know, they're a filthy, rotten sinner, they're going to go to hell. Well, that's an attractive message. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't come to Christ a lot earlier because I heard that message, you know? And, and oh, did you? Is that how you came to church? Well, okay. Pretty well. <laughs> well, it might have worked for you, but it's not working now. There's a lack of wisdom in that, and I, I think that you know, we can do better. Who, who knows what we can reach our, our streets, our neighbours, in a way that's better and able to, to relate to them in a way that's, that's, you know what, it's loving and it's grace, that actually represents God the Father in a way that is true and honest and things of that nature. So this series is about us getting tools in our hands that help to prepare us to have a simple conversation with someone about Christ, about faith, about life, uh, about God himself. And we've been on this journey of going through some parts uh, about that whole thing. So it's tool time is, is about tools. I've got my, one, of my, one of my toolkits here on the stage. This is a fantastic toolkit. I got this from Repco. It was on special. In my toolkit, I have zip ties. Who knows? No good toolkit is without zip ties. You've got to have your zip ties, all right? There's sockets in it. There's a file. That's from my chainsaw. Just doing... For my nails. My. There's a hose clamp for when I'm doing my fuel filter on my Nissan Patrol. 
No, I didn't, no, no. I've got Allen keys, I've got screwdrivers, I've got uh, a hacksaw blade, and I've got all sorts of tall screwdrivers, I've got uh, plumber's tape or electrical tape in there. Uh, Adrian, you'd be fantastically pleased, pleased to see I've got plumber. No, never mind. electrical tape, electrical tape, never mind. Anyhow, so I've got all these tools in my toolkit. Each of those tools has a number of different tasks, Sometimes, to my uh, absolute horror, I've used a screwdriver as a chisel. Yeah, it's just a gift I've got, I know. It's, uh, it's great. And sometimes I've used a, a chisel as a screwdriver. It's just because I couldn't be bothered walking 20 metres into my garage and, and actually getting a, a proper tool for the, the kit, things like that. I, I, I've used the tools and abused the tools. But the thing I've come to realise is that when I start to use the tools in the way that they were designed to be used, I become much more effective in the, in the tasks and the jobs that need to be done. The quality of my work goes up. My ability to get the job done quickly and easily goes through the roof as well. It's, it's something that when you've got the right tool for the right job, things seem to go a little bit more smoothly than if you're just trying to make do with the wrong tool for the wrong application. As I use these tools more and more, what I've also discovered is that I've, I gain confidence in using them. I, I, I know the, the limitations. I know my limitations as so far as a job is concerned. Certain uh, results can be expected. And, and I'm actually able then to pass on my knowledge to other people about the tools that we may be using uh, from time to time. Most households have these tools. They've not been specially crafted for me. This, this, this toolkit wasn't on special uh, at Repco just saying only Gary Leach can come and buy this because these were specially made for him. I know you might find that hard to believe, but that's true. These were available to anybody who had the cash to splash. I'm a poet and you didn't know it. They get better. No, they don't. I wish my dad jokes did get better, but they don't. That's cool. The only limitation to these tools is my knowledge and my confidence for using those tools for a specific job. These tools, I'm not limited to using them a certain time of day or life, day or night, or a season of life. Uh, the only you know, way that I could limit myself is to not use them or to use them for a, for a wrong application. My age doesn't prevent me from using them. My sex doesn't use them, uh, prevent me from using them. Uh, the, these tools can be used most times, at most times in life. And that's what this series, I hope, has been about. It's about placing tools, very simple, everyday uh, easy to use tools into my hands that will enable me to have a conversation about spiritual things with people who don't believe what I believe and who may not uh, live like I live. It's a way of me building a bridge, not creating a barrier to the people in my world. And that's all this, this whole series is about. It's tool time is about placing tools in our hands that every single person can use to have a spiritual conversation with someone. 
So this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, one of those simple tools that comes out of the book called The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations by Mary Shelley. We've looked at so far noticing people, praying for people, listening to people, how to ask good questions, loving people, welcoming people, and facilitating. And this morning, we're going to be looking at serving together. Let's go to the video.
pretty powerful video, isn't it? When you just look at it, simple acts of serving someone else uh, create an opportunity for that to be passed on and to be paid forward. That was a great film uh, a number of years ago, was Pay It Forward, uh, that talked about helping other people doing things at certain times. Serving people who are uh, looking for meaning and substance in life, uh, in their lives, can help them experience God's love and his grace and his truth in action. It can help to deepen relationships and open up vibrant discussions about life and about God. From the smallest act of kindness to the most outrageous act of kindness. It can be a profound impact upon not just the people that are the recipient of that act of kindness, but it also can do something powerful in our own lives too. The ones that are actually doing the serving or uh, whatever it is that we're, we're helping people with. So let me ask you a question. And there are some sermon notes that go with this morning's message. And I would encourage you that if you don't have any of these uh, sermon notes uh, to get them on your way out. Um, there's a lot of questions in there. I just want to dig deeper into a lot of the messages that we do here at Infused Church. Uh, I don't want it just to be a message that you hear and forget. I want you to go away and think about uh, some of the, the things that we're asking you to do and to the, the tools that we're putting into your hand. So the, the thing I, I want to ask you is, when was the last time that you worked on a service project with others? When was the last time you ever did that? Have you ever done that? What, what impact did that have on you personally when you did that? What impact did that have on the people that you were serving when you were helping to do whatever it was that you were helping uh, someone to do or to achieve in life? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 8 out of the Message Bible, it says this. It's clear to us, friends, God not only loves you very much, but also has put his hand on you for something special. When the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just words. Something happened in you. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. You paid careful attention to the way we lived among you and determined to live that way yourselves. In imitating us, you imitated the Master. Although great trouble accompanied the word, you were able to take great joy from the Holy Spirit taking the trouble with the joy and the joy with the trouble. Do you know all over the provinces of both Macedonia and Achaia, believers looked up to you? The word has gotten around. Your lives are echoing the master's word, not only in the provinces, but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You are the message. You are. Ah, the message. What do you say that right now? I am the message. Just say that. I am the message. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you are the message. Now turn to the other side and say, I am the message. <clears throat> we are the message. We are the message. We are the ones that are conveying the message of Jesus Christ to the people that we live in and around. We are the ones that are the message. We are the carriers of that message. Uh, William Barclay says this, More people have been brought into the church by the kindness of real Christian love than by all the theological arguments in the world. The researcher, George Barner, and you've heard me say this many times, he says that the statistics tell us that 9 out of 10 Christians will go to heaven without having led one person to Christ. 
Nine out of ten Christians. Can I, uh, can I have the five on this front row here stand up and then the five in the second row just here stand up, please? <clears throat> okay. Zach, what I want you to do, you see that spare chair just there? Can you stand up on it, please? Just stand up on the chair. Good, buddy. Well done. So of these ten people here, it's likely that only Zach will be the only one to lead someone to Christ. Out of ten people that are standing, only one of them is likely to ever lead someone to Christ. The statistics tell us. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. Give them a hand. I can't help but think, when I hear that statistic, that only one in ten people is ever going to lead someone to Christ, I can't help but stop to think and say, you know what? Of the twelve disciples that were in a boat, only one got out and walked on water. When we start to understand the significance of things like that in the Bible, that only one in 12 walked on water. Why did he do that? Because he got out of the boat, he took a risk. He exercised faith, he heard the word of God and he, and he just stepped out on that word and he, and he walked on water. God's given us that same word. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them. As you go into the world, make disciples. So many times in the Bible, in the New Testament, it talks to us about us going because God is sending us. We are the sent ones. The church is the sent ones. The, the church is not a building. The church is a people that's activated and empowered to go out into the community and to make disciples. That's why this message about its tool time is so important because it's placing within our hands the means to be able to do that, the means to be able to reach to someone into their world, into their circumstance, and to build a bridge that says to us, you know what, I've got a message of hope for, that, you know, that, that might help you. That someone who lives different from us, we've got the, the ability to ask some good questions. Why do you live that way? Why, why do you believe what you believe? What's happened in your world that, that can help me to understand? I'd love to hear about your life story. And then we start to show a genuine care and interest in the people around about us that may just open the door to them being able to say to us something that's powerful. And they say to us, what's different about you? And we can say something in response to that. I've stated publicly also that I'm not going to rest until I've led personally someone to Christ. Now, I have led someone to Christ. I was driving down the road a number of years ago and uh, I was going on, on my way home and I saw this, this young man sitting out the front of his house and he was, he was visibly upset. I could tell that he was emotional. I stopped my car, went back to him and said, you okay? What's, what's going on? Uh, are you all right? Is there anything I can do? And I just had a conversation with him and one thing led to another and I led him to Christ on his front door. It's just one means of doing it. And see, uh, I challenge myself in this stuff because I, I, I don't think it's right for me to claim a notch on my gun, so to speak. If you do all the work, you invite your family and friends to, to church, the message speaks to them and they give their hearts to Christ in the service that I claim that soul for me. I, I want to lead someone to Christ personally, someone who I've built a relationship with, someone who I've related to, someone who I've, I've, I've invested my life, my, my words, my finance, my, my time, my skills, my abilities. 
I want to be able to do that personally, and I challenge myself to do that. I don't stand before you and talk about how we can serve our community without challenging myself about serving my community. I don't absolve myself and say, look, I'm just the sort of a leader that stands in front of you and tells you all that you need to do. And then I say to myself, well, I'm off the hook because I'm just a, a, a pastor or a preacher. I don't do that. I say to myself, as much as I challenge everybody here, I challenge myself to live the message that Jesus is alive and he can help us to reach our community. As an example of that, late last year, Jane and I had just gotten home from a family celebration and we were sitting outside the front of our home relaxing when I noticed, as one of the simple tools that we've talked about in this series, I noticed my neighbour across the road, they've got a vacant block, they just bought the land and they got a notice from one of the, the fantastic people who works in our, in our council uh, in Mount Barker as a notice to clean up their block. So he was out there and I kid you not, the weeds were a four and five foot tall. And this guy was out there with a, just a garden variety lawnmower. And I looked at Jane and I said, I cannot, I've seen this guy and I cannot just ignore him over there with his lawnmower knowing that I've got a brush cutter in my carport that I can go across. I got him my scrubber clothes and I fueled up my, my brush cutter and I walked across the street. I said, g'day, how are you? My name's Gary. You look like you're struggling. Can, do you want a hand? He said, well, now that you mentioned it. He said, no, I don't want a hand. I just want to struggle. I'm, no. what, what was, he naturally said, of course... That I could use all the help that you can get. And what I didn't know was that Jane had taken a photo of me doing that and she posted it on social media. I don't think we've got it. Yeah, that's me up there in the, in, the, in the shade up the top there. But you can start to see that there's some stuff up there. And that, that's what serving looks like in the community. Can I tell you, I'm dripping with sweat. It's not a pretty look. I was probably smelly, uh, not just from the, the brush cutter, but because you're sweaty. That's what serving the community can look like. That's what we've got to do, church. This is the, you know what? I, I, I'm going to shout out a, a couple right now because I, I, I look at them and they, they, they ask for no accolades for themselves. But if I was to look at a couple in our church who are the most service-orientated people that I've ever met in my life, it would be Tony and Kathleen. The way that they consistently put themselves out to help people in our community, not just in Mount Barker, but in Strathalbyn and through the Lions Association, they are incredible at this. Tony's heart for reaching out to the community through acts of, of service is just phenomenal. If you want to know how to serve your community, go and talk to that couple there because they they'll help you to do this. And all you need to do is to hang around them. That's it. That's it. You just live how they live and you go out when they, when they go out. It's just amazing what they're doing. They are having such an impact, such an impact in the people and the families in and around about them. I'm in awe of them. I think it's just a wonderful gift that God's got upon their lives. And we've got so much that we can contribute to doing that as well. Because I believe that actually serving is the nonverbal gospel message. You know, someone said once that uh, as, as often as you can, preach the gospel, and if, if, if necessary, use words. I think it might have been Spurgeon. I don't know. Uh, someone, some real bigwig that said it. <laughs> but this is how we do that. This is how we preach the gospel without using words. We do it by service. 
We serve together with the people in and around our community. The way a message is communicated has as much to say as the message itself. Consider the the medium that God used to communicate his message. His name was Jesus. That's how God communicated the message to the world then. It was through his son. If you wanted to find out what the father was like, you had to look at the son. That's how God communicates who he is and what he's like. It's through the son. And he's doing that through us now. He's doing that through you and through me. When people want to see what God's like, they need to look at us. When people need to see what God's like, come on. This is, you know, when, when people want a genuine experience, an expression of what God the Father is like, what God the Son is like, what the Holy Spirit is like, they should simply be able to look at us and say, oh, that's what God's like. It's as simple as that. <clears throat> The way a message is communicated has as much to say as the message itself. When people see us loving and serving them without an agenda, they're much more willing to receive us and walk with us on a journey through life. Then someday, one day, perhaps, because of friendship that has been built and established, there may come a time, there just might come a time, when the opportunity to answer a question that they may one day ask, there's something different about you, what is it? We can then lean into the tools that we've learned through the It's Tool Time series and say, well, this is why. This is the hope that I have, and his name is Jesus. They might ask the question just after you've served them by doing some mechanical work on their car or you've looked after their kids for a couple of hours or you've cooked a meal because they were sick or, or you mowed their lawn because their, their back was hurt. So as you're putting the lawn mower away or you're cleaning your tools after doing the job or you're walking out of their front door, they turn to you and they say, why did you do that? What, why, why are you different? What, what's different about you? And then you just, you see that crack in the door and you open the door and you say, Holy Spirit, give me the words to speak right now. And you simply say, I'm doing this because I believe that that's what God would do in this world and I want to follow what God's done in my life and help other people. And who knows, whatever words you need to choose in that moment, When someone asks you that question, will you be ready to answer it? What's different about you? What's different about you? Why do you do this? When they ask that question, are you ready to answer the question? Because we've got to live intentionally, deliberately as Christians. We can't float like butterflies through this world. Social butterflies. I mean, if you've got the gift of that and you can relate it to your faith, all kudos to you, go for it. But we've got to live deliberately, church. 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. It's because Jesus loves me more than he loves you. That's why I'm doing this. Because he... he, he, I'm a better person than you are, and I'm just, just proving it. I mean, like, you know, there's some bait that, you know, phew, 
won't catch many fish. <clears throat> but if we, we just simply allow the spirit of grace and truth to come through us and flow through us, we do it with gentleness and respecting the people that we're ministering to and that we're loving and we're serving in that area. What an incredible opportunity it is to do that. Do you know what? I actually believe that Jesus modeled serving together as well. I believe Jesus set us the model. Jesus asked people to participate in the work that he was doing, even though they didn't yet understand who he was. Action on Jesus' behalf may prepare people to understand more of who he is. See all the ways that Jesus involved his imperfect followers who had not yet come to a personal decision about who he really was. Jesus asked the servants to go and fill the water jars just before he turned the water into wine. He asked the Samaritan woman for a drink from the well. He told a lame person to go and carry their, their mat. He told a blind person to go and wash off the clay from his eyes. Jesus did this because he wanted to see the level of faith that they had. If they were willing to go on a journey with him, to open up their lives to him. <clears throat> Perhaps it's because People's obedience to Christ's commands does reveal their faith. But taking action on Jesus' behalf may also prepare people to understand more about who he is. I, I don't know about you and your preferred learning style, <clears throat> but I learn better by doing. That, that's my preferred learning style. I, I mean... I think that people are, we're all wired differently. You may learn differently from me, but this is like, there's a saying that says, tell me and I forget. Like, that's me all over, you know, that's just how I'm wired. Teach me and I might remember, involve me and I learn. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. See, Jesus' disciples seemed to benefit from hands-on experience in working with Jesus. They often showed that they didn't understand who Jesus was or what he was calling them to. They argued about who was going to be the greatest. They misunderstood Jesus' purpose. And they were frequently annoyed with the crowds of people and even sometimes saying to the kids that come to get a blessing, hey, kids, get out of here. They didn't understand what God was doing. So Jesus takes them on this journey of working with them whilst he was there, giving them hands-on experience about how he operates, who he was, and his purpose in life. Jesus involved his disciples with him. In John chapter 6, verses 5 to 13, there's so many different ways that Jesus involved the disciples in this passage. It's just wonderful. Have a listen to this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people? And another part of this, the Gospels, he says, can you, uh, you feed them? Because one of the disciples says, how are we going to feed all these, these people? And Jesus said, you feed them. He wanted to involve them. So he, he asked this, Jesus asked this of Philip only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip asked him, eight months of wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus says, go and have the people sit down in groups of 150 and get them to sit down on the ground. 
There was plenty of grass around and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed to each of them who were seated as much as they wanted. So Jesus gives thanks and he breaks the stuff off, gives it to his disciples, and the disciples start to disseminate and distribute all of the, the food and the, uh, that, that's, uh, that's there. When they gathered up the pieces that were left over, there was the, so there was nothing was, left, uh, was wasted. There was 12 basketfuls of bread that was left over afterwards. You see, Jesus had a much more profound purpose in mind than just filling the stomachs of the multitude. He made the feeding of this crowd a hands-on experience of serving together and a significant learning moment for his disciples who gained a new understanding of his power and his identity. And this is more evident later in this particular chapter where we see that Jesus reveals a a message so difficult that it becomes a point of decision for many who actually turn away and they leave. They say, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then you can have no part of me. And this actually confronted, because they're thinking cannibalism. They think, what on earth is he talking about here? But the, the, the interesting thing is, that the message in this particular chapter, in chapter 6, verse 35 of John, says, uh, it begins with, I am the bread of, of life. And it culminates with when Peter says, uh, uh, representing most of the 12 disciples, he expresses a new understanding and a faith. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I wonder... If the hands-on experience of serving together helped Peter to come to a conclusion that he did about who Jesus was. That in the miracle of the distribution of the fish and the loaves, that he saw there that only the Son of God, only God himself could do that. And on such a wide scale of 5,000 men plus women and children. The multitude experienced the miracle of provision. The disciples experienced the miracle of participation. What I know is that both the multitude and the disciples, their lives were changed forever from that day. As we join together to serve our community, some need the miracle of provision. That is the mowing of a lawn, the fixing of a car, babysitting the kids, maybe cooking a meal for someone or vacuuming their home or taking their kids fishing. Could we be the miracle someone is needing in their life that will change their life? Not just through meeting a physical need, but through experiencing a a spiritual transformation. Because I believe that serving together helps people belong and believe. It creates a bridge to build relationship and friendship together. Trust the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the people who are working alongside of us as we're doing things. So that they can see and feel the gospel lived out, consistent with us being the message, like it talks about in 1 Thessalonians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Our friends and our neighbors may be disinterested in discussing God and the Bible, but, but they may jump at the chance to come with us as we serve. See, it's not just Christians that need to, to uh, uh, who have given an opportunity to, to serve in the community. If you know someone who loves doing stuff, involve them in the project as well. If you know, you know your neighbor is a hands-on person, 
Say, we've got this opportunity to, to help someone in the community. Would you like to come along? We're just going to like, do some gardening, maintenance work. We're going to paint a room or we're going to do something or other. Would, would you be interested in being a part of a team that would love to do that? What a great opportunity. And then it's during the, the course of the day that who knows what sort of conversations you can have. One of the questions I, I, you could probably bet might get asked, why are you guys doing this? serving together provides a relational environment where people can belong and this opens up the potential for meaningful conversations about God where they may believe who he is. The medium of service creates opportunities to share the gospel and by demonstrating the good news we may earn the right to talk about the good news. So here's your homework for this week. You ready for your homework? It's all in your notes, in the sermon notes, because so I, I knew that you wouldn't want to miss your homework. Okay, it's, it's all written down there. You don't have to stress over this. So here's your homework. Jesus said he came not to be served but to serve others. He also said that he'd set an example for us in that, uh, that what he'd done we were to do also, and that's to serve others. So how could you serve together with others? Start to think about that. In the next few weeks, maybe identify a need in your community, in your street, in your workplace, or perhaps in your school, and maybe a few of your friends that, that you could meet to do that. If you want some ideas, there's a couple just sitting on that back row over there called Tony and Kathleen that would give you some great pointers and insights about questions that you need to ask in the community. In fact, I'm pretty sure that Tony would have things lined up for you. Okay, because he is a switched on, savvy man. Okay, has a great heart for doing things in the community. Great opportunities for this kind of service exist through simple garden maintenance, painting a room, cleaning up a parkland area, approaching a school to beautify an area or landscape an outdoor area for the students and the teachers to enjoy. What is it that you feel God leading you towards? Tell people in your group, your small group or, or the church, about what you're proposing and then invite, encourage them to invite their friends uh, and their neighbours who don't go to church and then maybe go and serve it and do that. Get it done. Our neighbours might not want to go to church with us, but they might want to make a difference in the world. In the next week, pray about a project. Pray for two to three others to join you and pray for God to show you the non-Christians who you could invite or to participate with. Then, after serving together, maybe take 15 or 30 minutes to debrief and celebrate with your team. That's that's your homework. What, What could God get you to do in your street? What could God get you to do in your circle of influence? How could you serve together with other people around about you? It's one of the greatest things that we could do, the greatest privileges is to serve our community. Engaging in serving experiences with spiritual seekers provides the opportunity to show God's love to them, to grow our own faith, to build greater trust and to deepen our relationships. And by participating in service 
with you, your spiritually curious friends are provided the opportunity to experience and encounter God in a fresh way. What could God do through you and me as we serve our community? What could God do? Let's stand. I'm done. just ask you to close your eyes and, uh, and bow your heads this morning. I'm going to pray a very daring, pray a very daring prayer on your behalf right now. Because I know that you want to verbalize this, but uh, you might be frightened to do so. So I'll, I'll do it for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you speak to me about how I can serve my community. I ask you, Lord, to to lay people and situations, places on my heart that I know that you are able to use me to meet a need in my community. I pray that you'd join me together with other like-minded people, service-orientated people, people with gifts and abilities in the areas that I see the need, so that we can meet that need. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to work on me, to join me together with others of a like mind and a like spirit, that we can get some stuff done, and maybe we can be the message to our community. Would you help us to see that? Would you help us to walk that out so that we can celebrate who you are in us and what you can do in a person's life? Help us to build bridges, Lord, through simple acts of kindness to the people in and around about us. Father, help us to do that. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Just as every every head's bowed, I know that, well, I don't know everybody here. I don't know where you are in the journey of life. I don't know your experience of God and, and what he can do in a person's life. But I do know that Jesus wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to be a part of your life. And maybe you've never really consciously said, hey, God, I want you to be my God. I I want Jesus in my life. I want God in my life. Maybe you've never said that before. But this morning, you're in a place where, you know what, you're free to say that. Maybe for the first time. Is there anybody here this morning, you just feel like, you know, you just need to give your, your life to God. You just want to say, God, I've heard some stuff about you, maybe that has touched you in an area of your life, in your heart. You don't don't really have to understand it, but you just need to know that you want God this morning. Is there anyone here this morning? Just put your hand up so that I can see it. I'd love to pray with you if there's anybody here this morning. Maybe you've never invited Christ into your heart, but this morning you say, yes, I do need that. Anyone at all? Bless people. Bless your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.